Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Health on, Media Julia. Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for Obtaining Knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, listeners. Thank you so much for joining in with us today. We got a little of a late start, but we are here. It is August 15th, 2018. We have a great show with you today. We're going to be talking about honest medicine, and our returning guest is Julia Chopik. Julia, are you there with us? Julia, are you here? I am. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm here. We've been having some technical. Okay, great. Yeah. We've been having some technical difficulties today. We finally got it up and running, so we may have our show. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Great. I can hear you. Okay. We are one, we are well, one step get, closer. Let's get let's started. Do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Julia is a seasoned radio guest. She's also appeared on over 200 shows. She has a wonderful book called Honest Medicine, and she also has a blog that she can be reached at honestmedicine.com. You've got quite a social media following as well, from what I understand. Yeah, I enjoy, especially Facebook. Um, I am on so so many Facebook groups. I am in so many Facebook groups, and I have a fan page for my book and my own. Yeah, I love Facebook. I even write articles <laughs> about Facebook, so that's where I am. Do you really? I do. Oh I gosh. write them for the Independent Book Publishers Association. Oh, really? for heaven's sakes. <laughs> I know. That's great to know. Really you know what? Know. I find I find Facebook one of the best ways, along with radio, to get important mm-hmm. messages out there. So that's my yeah. commitment to getting important messages out. Mhm. Well, I know that you had a really important message you wanted to share with us today. Uh, obviously, we'll cover your your uh, book, Honest Medicine, but there, you have another passion going right now. Yes. Um, should I tell you about it? I guess so. Oh, basically, yes, recently, recently, I guess it's not so recent, Denise. About a year ago, 
John McCain was diagnosed with a, with a glioblastoma. And most of your mm-hmm. listeners probably have heard of glioblastomas, especially with relation to John McCain. But it is the worst, most horrible brain tumor. And it happens to be a brain tumor that's just one grade above the one that my husband Tim had. And uh, if you remember when you had me on before and about my book, Honest mm-hmm. Medicine, Tim, my husband Tim, was, was given three, three years maximum to live. And thanks to some innovative treatments that I found, mainly nutrition at that time, this was in 1990, he lived an extra 12 years. He lived 15 years from diagnosis. So when John McCain was incredible. diagnosed, I know, it, you know, it's incredible. And I was thrown into the brain tumor world, obviously, when my husband was ill, and I kind of stayed involved, you know. But when John mm-hmm. McCain was diagnosed a year ago, July, um, I became, I, I started to really look at it and, and I see, you know, oh my goodness, he's being offered the same exact treatments that my husband was offered in 1990. How many years ago was that, right? And that was. Seriously? Uh, seriously. That that's, was. I know. That's horrible when you think I about know. it. It is. It is. He was offered chemo, radiation, and if applicable, surgery. So surgery, chemo, and radiation. And that was called, that is called the standard of care. And I was kind of appalled. I knew it, but to see it in print, you know, kind of makes you more aware. Mm -hmm. I was appalled Mm -hmm. that the standard had not changed for 27 years or 28 years. I guess it was 27 at that point in 2017. And so I began to, to say something is wrong here. Because with glioblastomas, mm-hmm. the the medium survival median survival is fourteen point six months, and that's not good. So no, I, not good. I decided to that one of my second passions would be to educate brain, the brain tumor community about treatments that I learned about along the way. Two of them I wrote about in Honest Medicine for other reasons, but treatments mm-hmm. that have extended the lives of brain tumor patients way beyond 14.6 months. Some of them are living 20, 25 years, but not using, well, that's not true. Some of them just use the standard of care, but a lot of the long-term survivors do other things as well. So that is my second mission here now. Wow. Why don't you tell us what these things are? Okay. The first one, Denise, is what Tim and I did, as I mentioned before. When Tim was diagnosed with a brain tumor, I think, you know, as I tell in my book, Honest Medicine, we just were terrified. So we did exactly Mm -hmm. what the doctors, you know, chemo, radiation, the whole thing I just described, you know. But then at about the third-year mark, he was outliving his prognosis. I said, I better hop to here. I better start doing some research. And we found a nutritionist who really, her area of expertise was cancer and brain tumors in particular. Her name was Jean Wallace. Her company was, her nutritional solution, her company was Nutritional Solutions. And we started working with her and she cleaned up my husband's diet. She gave us supplements that, nutritional supplements that were designed to help people with brain tumors, you know, to fight the brain tumor. So that's the first one, Mm -hmm. is nutrition and supplements. 
And, uh, you know, I'm surprised that most oncologists and neuro-oncologists will say, well, you know what, eat whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And it does matter. And for one thing, one thing Gene Wallace did was to get uh, Tim off sugar. He loved sugar. Well, so do cancer cells. Tim, my husband Tim, and cancer cells both love sugar. So we took Mm -hmm. him off the sugar and uh, now I'm finding that, well, I, I've known that, the ketogenic diet, which I wrote about in Honest Medicine, um, you know, in, in Honest Medicine I wrote about it for pediatric epilepsy, but it's now being mm-hmm. used for cancer as well. And so that is, to me, very, very interesting because the ketogenic diet is sugar-free. And there's been a lot of work done now, since my book, since Honest Medicine was written, there's been a lot of research done um, about the ketogenic diet and especially, believe it or not, glioblastomas. And uh, the first one to start talking about this was a researcher named Thomas Seafried. And he did a case study of a man, I believe in this case study, it was 2010, that much I know. Um, in 2010, uh-huh. he did this case study of a man with a glioblastoma, and I believe that the standard of care treatments had not worked on him. So he put him uh-huh. on a ketogenic diet, and it helped him a great deal. So since Thomas Seafried wrote his book, there have been several other books written about the ketogenic diet for cancer. So, you know, people who are listening can can look up these books. They're They're really very, very interesting. Um, Travis Christofferson wrote a book called Tripping Over the Truth. Uh, Dr. Nasha Winters, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. There are several of them, Miriam Calamium, Keto for Cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So that is the second one that I am talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wrote an article, by the way, if any of your listeners would like the article, it's on my website on Honest Medicine about these treatments. I'm happy to send them the link to it. Um, but the other ones, you know, in, in Honest Medicine, I wrote about low-dose naltrexone. Now, low-dose naltrexone is mainly for autoimmune diseases and also for cancer. Well, recently, since Honest Medicine came out, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of information about uh, LDN, as it's called, for cancer. And even a video, a movie, um, about, called LDN and Cancer, the Game Changer. And I can send people the link to that. So on and on and on. And the last one is called repurposed drugs. And what that is is, you know, in early trials, there have been many, many uh, drugs and also supplements that have been found to have cancer-fighting properties. Well, repurposed drugs Mm -hmm. all started with, with a man named Ben Williams. He was diagnosed in 1995 with a glioblastoma. And uh, he was told that the only things available to him were the standard of care, chemo, radiation, Mm -hmm. surgery. And he was also told that at that time the the median survival was even less. I think it was like closer to under a year. And he said, oh, my God, I'm a dead man. So he started doing his own (coughs) research. And he found that there were lots of studies, as I just mentioned, that showed in early stages you know, that these drugs were very effective against cancer. And he put himself on a cocktail of several of these drugs, and lo and behold, he started doing very, very well. The bad thing was 
that his doctors did not want to prescribe these these drugs. A lot of things that are have cancer fighting properties, as we already discussed, you know, are are supplements. So he was able to get those over the counter, and also, you know, he was able to get a lot of the over the counter medications that were that were mm-hmm. found to be to have cancer fighting. But he ended up having to go to Mexico to get some of the drugs. But he is alive. 25, 22 years later, and counseling other people. So those are basically, I want to get the word out there, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. I know we want to mainly discuss my book, Discuss Honest Medicine, Uh, but I did, Mm -hmm. I I, I wrote to you last night, and I said, let's please discuss the John McCain thing. So thank you for obliging. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I don't know how, what is his status at this point? I don't know either, and prior to going on to, to the interview today, I went and looked. There's nothing really, you know, there are things saying he's doing well. I've got, I have no idea. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful yeah. that the message has gotten to him, but I'm not very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had a, a, a very, very uh, old, old boyfriend, you know, when I was really quite young, and he died last year. From the same thing, and I, and his wife, you know, uh, contacted me to let me know that he had been diagnosed, and I, I begged her. I said, please, you know, I mean, he, I said, please don't do the regular standard of care on him, if what you're saying is true that they say he only has a few months left, um, because they told him that that he just had a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. And uh I I said, you know, that's just going to make him suffer so much more. And they did it anyway. And I was fortunate enough to talk to him a week before he actually passed and he told me all the horrors that he'd been through and how he literally had lost his mind and ended up in a psychiatric ward and <gasps> I mean all this all this horrible oh. stuff, you know? Yeah. And it just so sad, so no, very sad. What, what did you? I guess you probably didn't ask him, but but if you had, to, did you say like why didn't you try other things or no? You probably did. No, no, who, who it would? wasn't my place. I wouldn't either. I know it wasn't my place. And you know, by the time his wife had contacted me, they had already done surgery on him. I mean, they had moved out, you know, immediately. Well, you know, so, the surgery is often a good idea. That's controversial, too, as you know, Denise. But in mm-hmm. certain cases, when you're talking about the brain, my husband had uh, had brain surgery. I mean, he had, a, he had a tumor the size of an orange. You know, and you can't wow. quite go on. I know. So, and he was having grand mal seizures, you know. Um, it's, uh-huh. very, it, it's very sad because in the brain, you know, the, the head, the brain is very is not a huge you know you can't just be having things growing from orange size to grape right you know? right you you can't right. do that so i'm not so sure that the surgery is a bad idea but just doing mm-hmm. the standard of care is something i i'm not i don't even argue against the standard of care i just argue against it was just only a horrible way, way for him to go you know really sad what did really, he say really about sad. the side effects really awful right yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, his, my conversation with him was he just said that he'd been to hell and back and it was just so awful. And, of course, he he didn't know that he only had a matter of days left, you know. Um, she had brought him home. 
so you know, he was alert enough at that particular time to be able to talk with me. But um, well, you know, I've this, this, this is the this is the problem. You know, I mean, I mean, let's face it, it, it. The years that you put into research had to be huge, and you probably were researching all the time while your I husband was. was was still alive. Most people aren't fortunate enough to have the time to do that because they have to work, they have to make a living. Well, and I did or too. I just I just I I couldn't afford to lose my husband though. Yeah. You know, I was working yeah. too. But at the uh, same but time. most people yeah, I know, but mo- but most I, people, you know, they're working, they've got their yeah. kids, they're you know, to find the time and and the concentration level and the interest level to to do it all when it's their belief that there's people out there that have already done it and whatever they're telling them is what they should do. Ah, that you just hit you just hit on the most important thing. They believe that in order for the doctors to say this is what you should be doing, the doctors have done a huge amount of research and that's just not true. You know, exactly. the doctors are just following They don't have the time. One- well, there's a wonderful chapter in in my in Honest Medicine by Dr. Burt Berkson, mm-hmm. one of the four heroes of one of the heroes of the book, and he talks about mm-hmm. how doctors no, it's not a matter of time. He says it's a matter that they are nope. trained and no, he says not at all. He says they are trained and not educated, and there's a huge difference. Okay. He says they're okay. trained to just follow orders, you know, like in the army. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, he points. Oh my God, Denise, you'll love this. He was first. He first got a PhD, and then went to mm-hmm. med school. And he said the difference between graduate school to get his PhD and medical school to get his MD degree was night and day. In graduate school for his PhD, he was taught to think, to ask questions, to even argue with the professors. But when, so he he did the same thing. When he got to med school, he said, "Oh, you know, whenever he had a question, he raised his hand, you know. And whenever he had a thought that was maybe a little different or a little outside the box, he raised his hand." Yeah. After you know what happened? After the first few times, he was taken aside by the professor and told, "You better not do that, or you won't graduate." This your job is to just soak up the information that we are giving you and to spit it back on the test. That is what your job is. Oh, gee. I know. So, you know, I hate to disillusion you and your listeners. Mm, And I do mm. hope it's changed. I do hope it's changed. But, you know, I don't know if they're taught to look outside the box. The good news is that there are a lot of doctors now who are. But whether they were taught to look outside the box or if they just did it on their own is another question, and I don't know the answer. Well, if you talk with alternative complementary medicine physicians yep. that were trained the traditional way and they went out there and they made their mark, whether it was in you know, internal medicine or whatever, uh, at one point they do some – some of them wake up and go, my patients are so very sick and I'm not helping them. Yes. And that's when they kind of turn and, and start questioning things and looking around and – and then they try different things. You but know, and they're up against a, a huge force, a huge force in, they the, are. in the medical world to not do that. that. It's a huge force, and are you ready for this? It's also 
that they're lo- not in many cases. I don't want to sound like in all cases, but in many cases they're also up against what their fellow doctors will think of them. You know, and their fellow doctors mm-hmm. are often not very pleased when somebody's working outside the box. For instance, with mm-hmm. low-dose naltrexone for autoimmune diseases and, and some cancers, there are hundreds mm-hmm. of doctors who now prescribe it, but they run the risk when their fellow doctors find out of being looked down on. So mm-hmm. it's a slippery slope. And uh, but as it is, pointed, and, and, it, when, and when we get when we get back to on the actual um, subject of cancer, um, you know, oncologists a lot of time work hand in hand. Um, with you know the primary physicians or whoever it is that the patient has been referred to them through. Right. Um, if it's the case where it happens to be a complementary alternative medicine doctor, then you get this huge clash. Yep. Because you know some of the oncologists are tolerant of of the others, but they still aren't in agreement with the others. <laughs> That's exactly well put. And uh, you know it's it's kind of funny. Because, not funny in the ha-ha way, but yeah, a lot yeah, of doctors, yeah. especially in, in med school and especially when oncologists are taught, do not take uh, uh, nutritional supplements when you have cancer. And that's not actually true. You know, there are many supplements that are fine to take. And a good nutritionist who knows about this will know. But a lot of the doctors will say, stop all supplements, especially while you're going through treatment. We don't want anything to conflict with the treatment. Well, how about looking at mm-hmm. the person, you know, mm-hmm. at what they call the Well, host. I mean, I can, I, can personally, I can personally attest because I'm a cancer survivor, and obviously I worked with my oncologist and I worked with my alternative complementary medicine physician. And um, in my particular case, the one chemo drug and the, the one... Um, other drug that basically lit up the cells so that the chemo drug could go in and take it out because it was a form of leukemia. Um, uh, you know, I took supplements through through that. And, and did your did your I, oncologist was he in favor of it? He was fine with it. Good. But to find to find that person is very difficult. Right. You know, right. as long as he knew what it was I was doing, then you know he he could analyze my blood panels accordingly. But, you know, the thing I want to caution listeners about is you, you don't run off and do these things completely on your own. No. Because it can affect the treatment protocol that, say, an oncologist is, is working with you on. They have to know what you're doing. Absolutely true. They have to know what you're doing, and you're really best off if you can find, as you were talking about, you know, two doctors that will not collide, you know, that will work yes. together. Yes. And that's, right. that's the, right. the dream. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, I mean, I wasn't on that many supplements anyway, you know. Um, right. But I came out of that strong, really strong. I never had a sick day. Wow, and that is incredible. Yeah. And that is, you know, when you hear about yeah. your your former boyfriend and the terrible, mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. side effects, you know, and they're mm-hmm. not even side effects; they're complications. And right. uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's too bad. 
And you know, I, as I was mentioning, I'm active on Facebook. So when the John mm-hmm. McCain diagnosis came, I started being active again in the in the Facebook brain tumor and glioblastoma groups. And I'm finding, Denise, do you know that just today I saw that a baby, well, that's not the only time, children are being diagnosed with GBMs. That's I know. Glioblastoma. I know. No, baby, I know. I've heard that also. A baby today. I know. Well, and I, well there was I a baby yesterday and the day before that and the one before that. Yeah, and I can't figure out what's going on. Excuse me, the you know, the cell phone theory certainly doesn't work on the baby, does it? No. <laughs> so I don't know uh, what it is. Yeah. But all well, I all it, I know it, is it's that it's gotta be toxicities and pollution, you know through the mother. It's gotta be. Probably. The that's the only explanation I can figure out. But uh mm-hmm. I just got so much uh, good you know, good good strokes, I guess I should say from people in the brain tumor uh, support, in the brain tumor groups on Facebook, because I was posting the article I told you about that I offered, you know, to, to send the mm-hmm. link to for, for mm-hmm. your listeners. And people were thankful. Right. They were saying, mm-hmm. we were not told about this. We were just told about the standard of care. So, you right. know, and that's the whole idea of, of what I did with my book, with Honest Medicine as well, because mm-hmm. I in Honest Medicine, I spoke about several different conditions, you know, liver disease and uh, and uh, pediatric epilepsy and autoimmune diseases and wound healing. And in all the cases, the people who wrote their stories, the book is filled with stories by people, you know, who tell their stories, and they had to mm-hmm. find the treatments on their own, the ones that helped them. So that's sure. my... Yeah, so that's what I like to do to help people find treatments that are that are science based. You know, they're not crazy treatments at all. And I, the way I mm-hmm. like to say is that they would be the standard of care if, if I hate to say this, if big pharma didn't rule. You know, uh, <laughs> because, because that's how doctors get their information about about treatments. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's so many uh, studies that are being done and clinical trials done worldwide. And it really is very difficult to keep up with with all of that. Um, And they're doing an awful lot now, you know, with uh, the DNA and genetics and... uh, They are. uh, And the the immunity, you know. they're, They're realizing that, you know, a weak immune system isn't going to help, you know, a cancer diagnosis at all. Um, You've got to figure out how to strengthen the immune system. Because how many, how many cells do we naturally have circulating in our bodies that are cancer cells? Everybody has cancer cells in their body. Everybody's got them. And so I, don't, I was going to look that up the other day. You don't happen to remember, do you? No, how you many know are just all I know all I know is that we all have cancer cells and some of us fight them off and some of us don't but there is a blood test that's supposed to detect if there's cancer anywhere in your body and I don't want to find I don't want that blood test you know <laughs> because I'm sure there is Oh that's the one yeah. Oh oh yeah 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 there's there's one out of there's one out of Germany um, oh, God. That, that does that and there's also there's also one out of Greece and Do you um, want that test? I don't I I had it. I ha, I've I had it done just recently. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean and it you takes 
you know, it's it's really interesting, but it takes a hell of a lot of courage to go do these things, you know. <laughs> I mean, it really does because, you you know, it's like, it's like, oh, my God, is this going to be my worst nightmare when I get the test result back, you know. <laughs> oh, God, I would not want to take that one because I would. I, but what do you do if you have some circulating cancer cells, you know. It just depends they, on how many. Exactly. No, I mean, they, they yeah, they, <laughs> they have their, their chart. And, and there's this one test out of Germany, you know, and I mean, I don't know the whole scale. All I know is that my particular physician said, you know, you want to be, it'd be nice to see you at two, right? Right. But if right, you're right, right. 25 or you're 50, if you're 25 or you're 50 or you're 100, um, that's still okay. Right. You know, But not okay. if you're like 5,000. So, no, yeah. Well, I don't know. All I know is I was okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, I'm okay, right? But you know, it is. It's very nerve-wracking. It is. And there's also something that a lot of people don't know about that maybe we can we can just point people at, and that is chemosensitivity testing. Uh, when doctors mm-hmm. give chemotherapy, usually say you have breast cancer, they're going to give usually the chemotherapy type that is given for most people with that kind of breast cancer. Well, there right. are some doctors. You you mentioned Germany and I, and also in Greece, there are there's a kind of test that can tell. What they do is they take a piece of the person's tumor, and they mm-hmm. subject it to all different kinds of chemos. And in right. some cases, and I'm not sure which, sometimes they do it with natural substances too. But they'll often find that say. Denise's breast cancer or lung cancer or whatever, mm-hmm. resp- her, her tumor piece, uh, you know, section uh, right. responded best to a chemo for another kind of cancer entirely. And yeah, that, that's very, uh, that, very true. That to me this, is, that's is very cutting true. edge. You know, if you're going to yeah, have chemo, well, I had that done. See, you were right, way done. ahead. 14 years ago. You were ago. way ahead. 14 years ago. Yeah, I found... I found a, doc, uh, a doctor in uh, Long Beach, California. And, Which uh, one was it? He has his own call or, or Nagorni? No, Doctor Nagorni. Nagorni. Yeah. 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 Rational Robert Therapeutics. He's still he's yeah. still doing. He's still doing. He, you know what? I yeah. called him the other day because a friend's daughter uh, has cancer, and I was like, you know, I didn't know if they were even interested, you know, in, in what I was doing, but I mm-hmm. needed to do. You know, what do we do? So I had a I had a lovely conversation, you know, with with the person at his front desk, you know, exactly what to do because we did that with my husband's mm-hmm. second, uh, you know, recurrence. We but but he ended up mm-hmm. having healing problems, you know, his suture line wouldn't heal. Mm-hmm. But I am I, I I find that that that's very very uh, makes sense to me, and I don't know why more of the doctors yeah, aren't interested. Yeah, and he he does it he he. Yeah, I mean, he he asks himself that probably every day, <laughs> you know. But but what's interesting is he he'll do um, pieces of a tumor, but he'll also do blood. Yeah. So for instance, in my case with with the um, leukemia, he just did a blood assay test on my on my um, on my blood. So um, and it was really a valuable valuable test. And can, may I ask you a question? Um, was the chemo that yeah. he found to work the one that most doctors would have given you or no? 
No. Um, I actually didn't do his protocol. Okay. I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very research oriented and good for you. Test result oriented, and I had six hours of consultations with him. Okay. With all my research, and at the end of the day, I wasn't convinced that the protocol he came up with was the right one for me, and so I did not do it. I, I continued on until I found the one that I felt would be uh, the least evasive, um, damaging to, to, to me physically. And um, what was valuable was that test because that test told me what, was, what I was sensitive to and what I was non-sensitive to re- relative to chemotherapy drugs. And so ultimately I ended up just using one of those. I would sense, you know, that would be the right one for me. And you also used the supplements. So what exactly did you do? Because it's out, and how long ago was this? For, um, let me see. I think you did eight, say. Eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. Eight, very nine years ago. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it's hard for me to even remember all the, what supplements I was taking because it's been so long ago. But I'm pretty sure I probably was on some form of a, of an enzyme. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, probiotics and enzymes, because I I believe I was told that the enzymes would also help to open up the membranes of the cells so that right. it could take in. So I kind of had two two of those sort of things going on, at the same time. You know. Well, a very expensive drug that did that from mice as well as a chemo drug. And then that particular supplement along with some others. Yeah. So you got your own, you, you did your own version of the cocktail. You put together your own well, treatment. Well, I didn't come, I, I, no, I didn't because I worked with, I mean, the oncologist was the one who came up with the treatment protocol for me. And he had experimented with it for many, many, many years, and he had taken certain things out of that because he found his patients were getting too sick. Okay. So he took out things. So by the time I got to him, he had it down pat. And he basically said, you're not going to lose your hair. You're never going to have a sick day. Um, wow. You know, like most chemo patients do. And um, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. So he was the one. And then my alternative medicine complementary doctor, who was also a medical doctor as well, gave me the supplements to take and monitored all my blood work. But, I mean, people, you have to understand you have to have a village when you're going you through any kind of cancer diagnosis. I mean, I had acupuncturist. I had a nutritionist. You know, I had an, herb, oh, I had an herbalist for quite a long time. And you just can't um, do with one with one person giving all the can, advice. No, no, you just can't. You just have to shuffle it around and and figure out, you know. But again, I had some amazing um, practitioners and you know professionals in their fields. Because again, I worked with a medical doctor and then I worked with an oncologist. So. Well, when you're bringing back memory, when my husband Tim was sick, I consulted with with experts from all over the all over the country, um, you bet. know, by phone, 
and uh, mm-hmm. you know we would we would change this and that you know and and his supplements and he did very well until he had a surgery where his suture line wouldn't heal and that you know then I I I even found he he had eight additional surgeries to in a vain attempt wow. to try to but I know it was horrible in a vain attempt to you know make the suture line stop opening up and this mm-hmm. is when I decided I had to help people out. Because finally, through a doctor friend, I would love to say it was through my research, but it was through, in mm-hmm. this case, talking with a doctor friend who told me about a treatment called Silverlon, and that's S-I-L-V-E-R-L-O-N, and it's pieces of material that are impregnated with silver ions, and they've been FDA-approved. Mm-hmm. It's been FDA-approved for all non-healing wounds, and yet his doctors had not heard about it. So I got yeah. permission to put it on his head. And uh, it worked literally overnight. It didn't heal it overnight, but it was the first time after, you know, putting something on that the next day wasn't showing an opening up. It was showing a a, a healing. I know. But are you ready for this, Denise? I'm going to ask a question, which I guess you know the answer of because of the way way I'm saying. Do you think the doctors were interested in learning about what what we had used? Oh, that's too bad. I know you know the answer. <laughs> they actually that's too tried bad. To, I know they tried to tell me that it was the vancomycin, the IV antibiotic that he'd been on for six weeks, kicking in. <laughs> so yeah. I decided that that I had to educate people about treatments out there that their doctors may not know about. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing, and and it's part of my show. You know, I'll have I'll have um, doctors on that have uh, discovered new things and that want to share it. Um, I had a physician on oh, it would probably be over a year, year and a half, that wanted to get the word out. You know, about the flesh eating disease that people end up with sometimes in the hospitals, and they have oh, to yeah. have their arms and legs cut off. Oh yeah. He actually um represents a, a pharmaceutical company that that came up with a product to stop it in its tracks. Wow. And, and is he it said, used you can't believe how now? many physicians don't I I have no idea. All I know is at that time he said not that many were aware of it. So again, you know, I have no idea where where that's gone. That's I should bad. probably bring him back on the show and and ask him Ask him if the doctors are using it. Now, that the flesh-eating bacteria is probably, is that kind of a rare thing, or I think it is, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's not, it's not something but that they every day by any means. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, or like I said, they end up with amputations. Oh, yeah. God. God, what goes on? Like I said, and there's then... just so much there's just so much information out there and it's just so hard to keep up on all of it. And yeah. let's face it, our physicians our physicians uh now more than ever are absolutely overwhelmed in their practices. You the know, same your medical doctor right. that I had that I had, you know, 10 14 years ago, the level of service I got from her compared to what it is now is night and day. Really? <laughs> Not for the not, better, because I, I heard they you. don't have the time. There's not enough of them out there anymore, and their practices are just 
patients in and out every 15 minutes. They block them in 15-minute intervals. In the first that five so minutes, sad. they're the first five minutes they're they're taking the data from you. I know. You know. Um, I know. Have you done this? Have you done that? You know. I mean, it's all record keeping. So then that leaves so you with sad. ten minutes left. Yeah. And if they, if it's something they physically have to check you out for, well, there goes another three four minutes. So how many minutes do you actually end up being able to talk to them about anything? <laughs> It is very, very sad. By the time you have a question, the the thing that I have, uh, I have, uh, I guess to me is the saddest thing, is that a lot of times. Now, don't forget, I, I, I didn't mention I'm writing another book now. It's almost ready to be published. Um, It's called The Promise of Honest Medicine. Oh, yeah, it's about low dose naltrexone, and that's one of the four treatments I wrote about in Honest Medicine. And in Honest Medicine, all of the people who had who were featured, you know, my books are lots of patient stories. You know, I find patient stories just so compelling. And the, all mm-hmm. the patient stories were about MS, multiple sclerosis, and how LDN, low-dose naltrexone, had helped them. Well, after Honest Medicine came out, I began to learn that there were loads of other – well, I knew that. Do you know what I'm saying? I knew that, that mm-hmm. it helped for a lot of autoimmune diseases. I just didn't have the stories at that time. Now mm-hmm. I've got stories of mm-hmm. people with Crohn's disease, with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, myasthenia gravis, Parkinson's, you know, in this new book. Oh, jeez. I know. And I'm hearing one thing over and over, Denise, that makes me, you know, uh, you know, when you said about they don't have the time, my one question, if I could get, if, if I could beg doctors when somebody comes mm-hmm. to you, I understand that a lot of patients will bring in, they don't like, the, you know, they don't want to hear it from patients. But if somebody brings in, hey, doctor, I've been doing well with low-dose naltrexone, don't tell them to be quiet. Do you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that you don't want to hear? Because this mm-hmm. is the, the thing that almost every patient that is in these books says happened you know, that they tried to ask their doctors about it. Their doctors wouldn't read. And I I know I'm coming on negative. I'm just trying to hope that things will change. Do you know what I mean? That that people will be more open to to reading about new treatments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, again, I'm going to take you back to what we were just discussing. How can they possibly talk to their physicians about a new protocol when they're rushing out the door. Hi, bye, it. see you later. You got it. I mean, it's, it's all, even it's, placing it's a, a call thing. into their in, in even placing a call into their practices if you have a question, good luck. You can't do it. <laughs> you know what? Though? No, I'm I have hearkening. to physically I have to physically go down to my doctor's office if I have a question to get an answer. That maybe while she's running down the hallway, she'll be able, for one second, answer me. You know, this kind of thing has to change because I don't know how it's going to change. All I know is that it's it's dangerous. You know, if doctors only have 15 minutes, it's dangerous. They're they're not likely to to do as good a job as if they really knew the patient. They're just not. Uh, oh, oh. No, not at all, not at all. That's that's the issue now, you know. Um, yeah, it's scary. And to it's me, really scary they, out there. 
it, it's scary. Because also, the chances of being sued are higher if you don't know, you know, if you've only spent 10 minutes. That's, that's it's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, all these doctors' offices, they make you sign off down their arbitration agreements now. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> It's oh God! We got we got we got to it used to be. <laughs> we got to have something different happen with the medical system. <laughs> I'm not sure what. I know. But but did it, you did you have did you give your husband the low dose? I did, and you're going to be sad when you hear this. Um, I mm. I was not very smart because I just left it, you know, in his in his hospital room. Yes, I did give it when he was home. But then when he when he had the recurrence of, of the brain tumor and was in the hospital for the healing of the skin, you know, he had to be in the hospital, they confiscated the low-dose naltrexone. And, sure, uh, sure. I know, I know. I But I was stupid because I should have just... Do you think that was him. one of the contributing factors to him being um, alive as long as he was, along with the nutrition you, and I, the I, I didn't. I didn't find out about it soon enough. I sure would like to have, would love to have another chance, you know, because I should have given it to him if I had known about it. I didn't know about it. Um, yeah, I found out yeah, about that's it always while writing. A problem. Yeah, yeah, I found out about it. Uh, I, I guess right before uh, he had his uh, recurrence of the tumor. Yeah. So in other words, he went from 1990 to 2000, um, you know, without my knowing about it. So then mm-hmm. I knew about it and started to give it to him, but he was already having the non-healing wound. So my guess is oh, he would have okay. done better. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Isn't that sad that there's uh, no way there's to so answer that? I know. I know. My gosh, our time is just like on chickity chinkity ching. What else do you want to um, cover? Well, I think that maybe. Um, just covering again the four treatments in honest medicine might be a good idea, if that would be okay. Okay. okay? Oh yeah. Because sure. because they are to me, um, they're my poster children for. If, and by the mm-hmm. way, I'm doing this because if any of your listeners know of another treatment that fits in this category, I would be delighted to learn about it. And these are treatments that okay. are that are science based. I am not interested, although. I, as a person, am interested, you know, in treatments that that may be, you know, anecdotal and all of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that just mm-hmm. may work. Mm-hmm. The ones that I'm interested in researching have a huge. They they, they have a lot behind them. They're science based. Um, they've been around. For instance, the uh, the uh, silver lawn that I just told you about for non-healing wounds mm-hmm. was FDA approved. Mm-hmm. You know, for all non-healing wounds, and yet doctors don't know about it. Um, mm-hmm. intravenous alpha-lipoic acid, which we didn't really get into for liver disease. Dr. Bert Berkson has kept so many people from having to have liver transplants. And two of the, one of the people in, in my book, in Honest Medicine, Mary Jo Bean, uh, had both, uh, mm-hmm. both hepatitis and cirrhosis. She got them from a blood transfusion. She did not get them, you know, from the mm-hmm. ways you usually get those those conditions. And uh, the intravenous alpha lipoic acid just 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 made her well. And uh, the other person who wrote about uh, about it had pancreatic cancer, and that's as bad as a glioblastoma. You know, people don't survive Jeez. pancreatic cancer. I know. And he lived I nine know. years. I know. So wow. this treatment is something I want people to know about. 
Um, I know I'm speaking mm-hmm. quickly because I know we're almost out of time. But this, but Dr. Berkson, again, he was told by his when he discovered it. You know, he discovered it. It's a very mm-hmm. interesting story that in, it's in Honest Medicine about how he discovered it. Um, but mm-hmm. he was told by his his uh, his superior doctors not to do it again. You know, not to use it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. another one. And then, of course, uh, the ketogenic diet for pediatric epilepsy. Oh, my goodness. Um, That one, it's heartbreaking because children are routinely given two, three, and four anti-seizure medications at once when they have epilepsy. Wow. And these kids, I mean, you know know what, uh, uh, anti-convulsant drugs are just not good for the brain, you know? Uh, Neither are seizures. But the the irony is that they're given two, three, and four uh, anti-seizure meds, and they often don't stop the seizures, you know, even if you've got four meds. Oh. And the person whose story is the main story about that in the book, in Honest Medicine, is Jim Abrams, whose son, I don't know, do you know the movie Airplane? Mm, no, it's not. It's not. It's it's a funny movie. It's called Iconic because it's it's taught in all film school classes. You know, as as one of the um, iconic movies. But anyway, the man who made the movie, Jim Abrams, his son Charlie had intractable seizures, and he was one year old, the little baby. And uh, Jim found out about he was given two, three, and four medications at once, and he was just like a little doped up kid, you know, Aww. and. I know it was so sad. And then on his own, he found the ketogenic diet. And this is a diet that's high fat, low, no sugar, low carb, adequate protein. And he found out about it in the library and he brought the information to his doctors. And his doctor said, Don't do it, it won't work. And it had been used, by the way, at Johns Hopkins since the 1920s. Mm-hmm. It was the standard of care at both Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic since the 1920s. It was until oh anti-seizure meds. Yes, until anti-seizure oh, okay. meds that came on the market. Exactly. That and, uh, yeah. you know, so Jim, mm-hmm. I, I want to give the website out. It's called, it's charliefoundation.org. C-H-A-R-L-I-E foundation.org. And Jim has just devoted his life since then, since the 1990s, to getting the word out about the diet because it's so much safer than children oh, being I see, on all these I drugs. See, yeah, and I see those um, uh, cookbooks now everywhere. Oh, you know what? It's now known people are doing it for, for weight loss. People are doing it. That's why mm-hmm. it's so popular now. Yeah, uh, I have a really good friend that's on it right now, and she's already lost a ton of weight. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know who I wish would learn would would be more interested though. Jim and I are friends, and he still says, you know, since the book, and he still mm-hmm. says that he's getting calls from parents saying, "I was not told about the diet. I found it on the internet." Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so I'm trying to get the word out there to people. I, I'm, you know, and that they will maybe influence their doctors. And the other one, of course, is low-dose naltrexone that, I, that I've mentioned before and that I'm writing the second mm-hmm. book about. And that's for autoimmune Can they buy that diseases. in the United States? Is that uh, purchased in the LDN? United States? Low-dose yeah. naltrexone? It has to be made uh-huh. by a compounding pharmacist. And okay. absolutely, there are loads of compa- – there's, there's a, are websites that have the names of compounding pharmacists. I've got the names of compounding pharmacists who do compound it, 
and it's a very, very, very low dose of a, the drug naltrexone, which was FDA approved mm-hmm. in 1984 for drug addiction. But this is low doses of it. You know, instead of 50 milligrams. Oh, it's, okay. It's, yes. So it's very, very low doses. And, and it, it's, I have to tell you, there are 30 Facebook groups devoted to low-dose naltrexone. Good heavens. Oh, That's yeah. That's amazing. When I, when I said I love Facebook, it's, it's for what, how people can find things. And, you know, I don't yeah. like it. I don't show my latest meal, you know, or that there's I went the good, to yoga. There's the good in the... There's the good, bad, and the ugly of of, the, of it all. <laughs> there is. There definitely is. Yeah. But I suppose but, uh, there's the good, bad, and ugly just about everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people are just well. like, you like Facebook? And I'm like, yeah, I do. You know? Yeah. But it's been my yeah. best way of of, re- of reaching people. Asi- outside of radio is my favorite and Facebook is my I, – I think I, I, know. I, I work them together. You know, they're both wonderful. Yeah. Well, so. thank you, Julia Schultek. It's been wonderful having you back. I always love, love talking with you. And um, listeners, if you want to read her book, purchase her book. I'm sure it's on Amazon. Oh, my goodness. Honest it's, Medicine. It's on, and then it's on Amazon and Barnes everyone, & Okay. And then everyone, look for her new book that will be coming out called The Promise of Honest Medicine and her website, HonestMedicine.com, correct? Yes. Honest Medicine Love you. is my... Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, listeners, thank you for for listening in. We had a great show today. I just want to remind you all that the information on my show, it's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional and it's not intended as medical advice. So we're just sharing knowledge and information and our experiences and our community. We encourage you to make your own health care decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified health care professional of your choice. And these statements haven't been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. We're not diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Until then, please look for us again next Wednesday. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.